Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 10th of December 2014. And joining me on this edition are Assistant Editor Steve Withers. What makes you think it's my first time? News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. Some men are coming to kill us. We're going to kill them first. Games Editor Mark Botwright. Well, everybody needs a hobby. And Audio Reviewer Ed Selly. Your interior decorating tips have always been appreciated, 007. Welcome to the penultimate podcast of 2014. Uh, that means the second last one of the year. And there is more uh, to come next week, 19th of December. We are having our Christmas works do. And uh, I've got my party popper ready. And my lemonade <laughs> instead of my champagne. Uh, what about you guys? You all psyched up for our works do next week? When are we, well, what time are we actually doing it in? It depends on that. Really depends on how psyched up I can be. I was be, thinking maybe it? the evening, just so we can all be really pissed. That that would we'll work. all need poppers. Again, as I said before, I can't go to nursery absolutely reeking of booze. It's just frowned upon. I think yeah. you can at this time of year. I think it's all right. <laughs> well, no, but except I've had to drive there. Oh yeah, and they probably uh, won't let me drive uh, that's, back. That's all right that's as well. Suspect, yeah. It's Christmas. What they're gonna do? <laughs> Uh, so, Mr. Botwright, what festive delights uh, have you got lined up for next week? Hey, <laughs> Steve, for the for the podcast recording. Yeah, come on, you must have something lined up. You must have a, an idea in the back of your head of what what drink you're going to be drinking. Oh well, um, I, I think I might probably be cider, but uh, since I know Botwright will be doing that. Good I man. I might go for a couple of nice, a cheeky bottle of uh, maybe a Pinot Noir. I've got a cheeky, well, three left of my four pack of K cider. <laughs> very good. 8.4%. It's black with red lettering on it. Very easy to <laughs> to point out in an off license. Well, even if you've lost the power of speech, yeah. you can just go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> at least if your sight's going as well, at least you can differentiate between the colours, can't you? Hodge, you'll probably be having some Nuki Bruno, yeah? <laughs> That's not my style, really, Phil. No, but maybe a lager for, followed by some red wine. I've got, I'm Fair away lady. from the kitchen. I have to do these upstairs in the bedroom, so I have to be careful about what I spill, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, yeah, uh, red wines. <laughs> red wine. About taking a <laughs> Yes. Red. No, no. More spilling red wine all over the bed. That won't go down very well. <laughs> and Ed. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to try and find more of that German Christmas beer that made me lose the feeling in my hands last year. It was good stuff. <laughs> See, the thing is that that's the same sort of ABV as K, but the, when you're drinking a, a German Christmas beer, you go, ooh, that's quite sophisticated. Not, you're a raging alcoholic, you're drinking K. It's, it, it's, a, it's a double standard, but one that I, I, I take full advantage of. <laughs> and, um, and obviously, in your case, Phil, what? I've just Still, said I'm, kind of t- kind of tizer, no, Iron I've, I've just said I'm having <laughs> lemonade instead of champagne. If you listened at the start, I, I heard you say that, but I didn't know if that was what you actually meant because that seems a bit rubbish. And iron brew seems more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Why is it that for, you know somebody that doesn't drink alcohol, I'm the one that's always made to feel bad and left? <laughs> it's just a boring soft drink, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. you know wine gums. <laughs> yeah, that'd All be right. the best time to do the Theodore Rex commentary, though. <laughs> <laughs> Stream of consciousness. Yes, well, you know, we'll come back to it later on, but there is a competition. If you want to have the best Christmas present you've ever had, um, you could you could watch on YouTube because somebody did post the link, <laughs> or you can win the DVD, um, which is uh, our competition. So go and check out the competitions page. Now talking about movies, uh, big anticipated movies. Uh, Bond is back, number twenty-four. And uh, it's going to be called Spectre. There used to be somebody on the forums called Spectre. Yeah. What happened to him, eh? Has he gone off to become a supervillain? Anyway, interesting cast. Yeah, I know. It looks quite good. Uh, but don't we know everything about the cast thanks to this Sony leak? Like how much they're paid, uh, <laughs> what, 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 you know, what their inside leg measurement is, their feelings towards Adam Sandler. It's kind of spot- taken some of the edge off this, hasn't it? Was <laughs> it North Korea? No, well, they're saying it isn't. But they're saying it was a righteous thing to do. I think I don't know. It's all very confusing, um, but yeah, it's 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 not a good. Uh, apparently, the, the the article I was reading was saying that there was going to be uh, several thousand pay uh, salary related lawsuits because obviously it shows a massive discrepancy between men and women doing the same roles, which probably exists in almost all companies. Yeah, but they so haven't had they they haven't had their their financial records leaked to every single <laughs> to the world at large. So yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a problem. I, I'm I'm sure it will be perfectly proficient, but we are beginning to 
sort of have a bit of a problem in so much as obviously these films need to do very well in countries that used to be the bad guys. So this sort of de-regionalising and going back to supervillains, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, the supervillains are responsible for some of the more sort of iconic Bond moments, but they were at their best when they were working in the pay of a superpower, not independently. That, that, that's just my thoughts on that. I don't. Well, it looks like they, they they announced. Well, I didn't actually announce who Christoph Waltz is playing, but I think it might be Bofeld. That'd be quite cool if it was. But they have announced that the guy who played Mister White's coming back. So I mean, maybe they're going to morph Solace or what are they called? No, no, Quantum. What are they called? Quantum. Yeah, into Spectra. I don't know, I'm quite like a supervillain, you know, with some ridiculous world-dominating plans and stroking a white cat, ideally. I would like to see a return of the uh, submersible Aqua Battle Palace from The Spy Who Loved Me, because that <laughs> is the coolest Bond villain layer of the lot. I, don't, I know the hollowed-out volcano is, is iconic. Drax's space station's got its advantages, but the Stromberg battle thing, that's just totally tits. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean, if, if, if you were to look at world as it is at the moment, who who would be the bad guys? You know, it used to be the Russians. It, 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 so you're not going to point the finger at the Chinese because, you know... Well, many, you, you want lots of people to go and see the film in China, yeah, so, it, it, so exactly. you're the so, bad guy. So the bad guy nowadays has to be somebody like Google. Well, well no, yeah, yeah they, they tried that with um, Tomorrow Never Dies, didn't they? Yeah. Well, there wasn't the bad it guy was Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, yeah. <laughs> No, you want, a, you want a villain that's non-political, so you're not going to offend anyone because you want to maximise your budget. You want a title that's really easy to sell worldwide, which Spectre is, because it's not complicated. You know, it's not like an Majesty Secret Service which might not actually translate well into Chinese. Um, you know, you want to get as much, as much product placement as you possibly can into the film and make a ton of money. That's what they're about. So I guess it's, it ticks all the boxes. They've got a pretty interesting cast. I'm glad to see Monica Bellucci getting a role. I mean, she may be 50, but she's still fit as a butcher's dog, so... I'll be more than happy to see her as a Bond girl or Bond lady. Bond lady. Bond lady. <laughs> you bond a person. You're a Bond, a bond person. Well, uh, uh, Casino Royale saw um, Sony recordable Blu-ray way before it ever came out, Steve. So maybe uh, we'll get a sneak peek at some 4K Blu-rays from Sony in, in this one, product placement wise. Yeah, but we won't see the film on 4K Blu-ray anytime soon, though. <laughs> it's funny what you say about, just, just thinking about I've just been reminded, going on about... Um, audience is going to you know have you've got to do it so the audience is, is rooting for the right person they're not perceived as a bad guy years and years ago i went to see um black hawk down in the mile end genesis uh, and it became uh, pretty clear about 25 minutes in that the vast majority of the people watching the film in the mile end genesis were rooting very firmly for the somalians <laughs> which put a very interesting dynamic on the film as a whole uh, it was quite exciting in a slightly nervous way Picking up on something you wrote uh, about this, do you think uh, Bond will kind of get the same level of kind of hype for it? Because it did seem to tie into that kind of wave of kind of patriotism around the time of the Olympics, the last one. I just wonder whether it now it might just seem strangely kind of outdated and weirdly nationalistic because we only tend to do kind of little displays of flag waving once every kind of four years, maybe. I think the film will be less... British. And the, I mean, Skyfall, a lot of it took place in the UK, didn't it? London, Scotland. and um, But yeah, I mean, it tapped into us, you know, that kind of that year with the Diamond Jubilee and the, and the, and the Olympics. I think there was a, a feeling of goodwill. I mean, it probably explains a lot of success in the UK. I don't know whether it really explains its success globally because it, you know, it made a billion dollars worldwide, so it did incredibly well. I think if they got the second next film out two years later, so it was now, it may have you know, ridden on the back of that for popularity a bit better. But another year quite waiting around for. Um, uh, Sam Mendes to become available. You're kind of thinking, you know, by the end of next year, will that momentum have been lost? We'll see. I don't know. It, it, Bond has survived quite long hiatuses mm. before, and I don't think it's... Provided that the basic premise is up to snuff, you do a couple of things. You acknowledge... I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought that Casino Royale was quite well done in so much as it, it sort of grounded the series again. But on that, obviously, I, I just sent a spoof link... Uh, but on the same website, it's going on a bit. It, it, it's jokingly talking about Bond as the world's worst spy. You know, rocking up in an in, in an Aston Martin that no one has ever seen. <laughs> yeah, before. a one one off made for him. Yes. Yeah. So Martin. ultimately, there is a degree you, you can't lose the preposterousness of it. 
Um, I think that's very, very important. Which, which I think Mike Myers picked up on brilliantly with the uh, with the whole spy genre thing. You know, the, when, what, Austin Powers. When he did Austin Powers, I mean that was just that you know, wasn't it too far removed from the actual way that Bond films are portray spying and so on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but the moment in the original uh, Austin Powers where he's three-point turning that golf cart in the corridor still <laughs> just reduces me to, to, to a drooling idiot every single... It's still one of the, the single best pieces of... Single best sight gags just going. It's fantastic. I've, I've got to say I'm not that excited for this. Um, I, I don't know why. I think it's just... We're being, all Star Wars down, Phil. Yeah, There's I, no lightsabers. Well, I was just going so I, I to say, I think we're being spoiled next year. You know, we've got Star Wars coming, we've got Bond, we've got the Terminator coming back, we've got Jurassic World coming. Mad actually, Max. actually, if, if, if yeah, Mad, Mad Max, Max. Actually, if you are a cinema and home cinema fan, next year is a big, big year in terms of uh, popular franchises. Yeah, mm. uh, the Avengers, Age of Ultron, that's coming out in May. No, so it's, it's, not, it's, not interesting in that war whatsoever. Yeah, no, it wasn't. You know, you, you might not be, but it was a most second most successful film of all time in America, so, or third after two Cameron films. Um, so clearly, it's going to be a huge money earner for Marvel slash Disney. Yeah, but there's a difference between money earner and actually being a good film. I'm looking forward to it. I think Joss Whedon's we're, a very talented filmmaker. We're right. talking about good films, and we included the new Terminator in that list. Mm. Is that a nice segue that we just got? Yeah, there? go on. I Mark. think it is. Come on. Then. <laughs> Why is it going to be a paler shape? Well, the trailer, um, Genesis. Oh God! When you, I'm sorry. When you start doing silly names, you're done for. It's it's up there with a good day to die hard. Yeah, well, when you spell it funny as well, you know, if, as if we haven't got enough problems with you know teenagers not being able to spell. It, yeah. I'm sorry. It just looks a little bit like it's going to be kind of Terminator: The Twilight Years, and, <laughs> and Arnie coming back. <laughs> Where you know it just looks like it's it's the kind of film where you, where you just think someone's got a very large unpaid tax bill or something. They've just said sod it, I'll just do it. Paternity it's two school, day, I think yeah, it's two mark. days, two days, two days work or something. And I, w- I was kind of thinking, well, no, it, it might not be bad. And then the bus flipped, and I'm sorry, yeah. that was it. It was like a it was like a, a finale to Casualty or something. God, well, even the Fast and the Furious wouldn't try and do something like that, would they? Wouldn't defy gravity in such a ridiculous way. But I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you can't knock it for the fact that it actually exists. Because I mean, we've we've kind of this whole time paradox surrounding the Terminator. Technically, it should have just ended with the first film, but you know, we've kind of just done away with any kind of sense of logic or anything like that and now it's kind of alternate yeah, timelines. You're, you're, like. you're not supposed to take it that seriously, though, Mark, are you? Because you know. <laughs> You would have, you would have thought you know these are machines with computer brains. You would have thought they would have sent at least four or five Terminators back to four or five different time points to at least kill one of them. But he, no, no, that's the point. <clears throat> it didn't have enough power to send back that many. It could only send back one to try and kill Sarah Connor. That was the point. It ends there. But in in fact, the, the whole point is that it's cyclical anyway. Because if if kind of Kyle Reese is in fact John Connor's dad then it's kind of already predestined to have happened. So therefore, what's the point going through with, with, with emotions anyway? It's comic book fair. It, it's kind of, you know, you're not supposed to take anything out of it and assume there is going to be any actual end to it. But I wish there was an end to it. Mm-hmm. Who was it that got the sports almanac again? That was Son of a joke. bitch stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, let's face it, I've got to be honest, of the Terminator films, the first is a stone cold classic. The second is a sort of fondness because it was just monstrously overblown and it came out at a sort of correct point in a lot of our sort of formative years and it was used as a, an AV just for God knows how long. But actually on, on balance, I don't think it's a desperately good film and it's just tailed off further and further from there. That's um, true. The effects look no better, do they, than, than Terminator 2? <laughs> well, it should have ended at T2. I mean, it should have, that should have been the end of it, and just, yeah, leave it at that. You know, the, the... Shocking. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Sarah Connor Chronicles TV thing, on at times, Actually, was, quite, was, quite good. was quite good. But, um, yeah, uh, otherwise, it, it's one great film um, has managed to, to, to prop up 
a franchise of dubious value after that point. I don't know if anybody else has caught up with it, but BBC Two are doing their sci-fi season at the moment, yeah, and really uh, t- Tomorrow's Worlds is um, it's been running for the last three weeks. I think I think there's one more episode to come up uh, next Saturday, but you can catch them all on iPlayer. Uh, well worth. Uh, yeah, a watch, a and they did the whole cyborg, you know, robots turning bad, robots turning good episode this week, and yeah, looking through it, it's it's one of these things that I would never have thought of taking it back to Frankenstein, which is obviously the original, um, you know, uh, creation gone gone wrong, um, and and it's quite. I don't know if you saw it, Steve. I'm, I'm assuming that... Yeah, I watched it on Saturday night. So, um, it was really interesting the way he took us through the timeline of, of movies and, and where we've used this premise and you know, some places I'd never even thought of. Mm. No, no, it was... Uh, it, I mean, it was... It, it's a fascinating series and, and the way he started with uh, 1818, I think it was, when, when Frankenstein was written um, and how that was the, probably one of the first science fiction novels in, in the modern context, at least. And then, um, you know, taking it through to things like Metropolis and uh, Star Wars, Terminator, Blade Runner. Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was a really, and then taking it all back, full circle, back to Frankenstein again was was brilliant. It was uh, it was a really good show, and, and yeah, it's been a very thought. If you haven't seen, definitely check it out because it's been really thought provoking. It's covered things like you know space travel, aliens, and I think next week is time travel. So. Um, it covers all the all the main tropes of science fiction, and um, and the guy presenting it really knows his stuff, and it's it's, it's an excellent series. Cool, oh, Robocop, Robocop, got to mention it too. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to fit it in around MasterChef, which is. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm sure you can manage that. And like I say, it's on it's on iPlayer, so you can watch it at your convenience. I think all the episodes are on there as well. So, um, with this new 30 day thing. Uh, mm. iPlayer, so you can get in there and watch it. It's well worth it. Uh, let's move things on then. Hardware wise. Um, an LED TV as good as a plasma, um, big words which were said last year at CES, Steve, and which basically got forgotten about during the year because the TV that was supposed to be the, the next big thing <clears throat> kind of been a bit of a damp squib. Yeah, I mean, when we saw that demo at CES uh, at beginning of the year, uh, they had a darkened room with uh, a, you know, a pre-production prototype of the AX902 sandwiched between a ZT60 and uh, I think that whatever the TV was, WT600, I think it was last year, wasn't it? And um, I mean, it didn't, look, it, looked, it didn't look as good as the ZT65, but it looked pretty good. And it obviously it had a full array backlight. Um, and I'm pretty sure that TV had a, v, a VA panel um, because it blasted pretty good. This has got an IPS panel. So when you turn off that, um, on the, off the local dimming, it's, the backs are pretty ropey. I and mean, even with the local dimming on, it's still not as good as a plasma and certainly nowhere near as good as, as an OLED. Um, you know, battle uniformity is very good. Um, the performance in general, you know, the, 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 the video processing, the calibration controls, all excellent. Picture quality is great. You know, I mean, it, it squeezes every last detail out of a, of a, out of a high def signal, match, you know, scaling it to the 4K panel. It's, it's got really accurate colors. Motion handling looks pretty good, you know, for an LCD television. Um, and the backlight works well. You know, the, the um, local dimming rather works well. The backlight is very uniform. But I, I wouldn't say that I, I thought it was any better in terms of black levels than the Samsung TVs that use a VA panel. Obviously, you've got a much wider viewing angle, which is which is, might be a nice thing to have. But we're talking about 55-inch uh, 4K LCD television, you know, and it's 3,500 quid. Well, you could almost buy two of the... I mean, these are full HD TVs, but you could buy two of the uh, LG OLEDs for, for nearly that price. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's toppy on, on the price front, frankly. Up again in a in a very very competitive uh, market space right now in terms of you know high end 4K TVs and um, you know I had a few other problems with it which really annoyed me they, they've done an upgrade on the uh, on the uh, remote app so you can now control and calibrate all different inputs so like Pro One and Pro Two you can control them from the from the remote app which is great because it means you haven't got any menus in the way when you're taking measurements which is really really handy for calibration purposes but I couldn't get the damn thing to to find. In, you know, my router at all, no matter how hard I tried, it just wouldn't connect. Well, you, don't, you don't want it to, actually, to be honest, Steve, because once you do it, using touch controls to uh, affect, like, the white balance and stuff, it's awful. <laughs> so you you saved yourself some pain there, to be honest. <laughs> I, do, I had to run a cable in the end because I couldn't get to, get to connect into it any other way. Um, and uh, also it's got, it comes, well, I don't know if it's the default, but certainly when it arrived for me, it was it had a feature in where if you move around in front of the TV, it turns itself on automatically and the mm-hmm. bloody camera's always up. And the only way I could get rid of that camera was to find this feature and then turn it off. Um, so that was a bit annoying too, actually. I think sometimes manufacturers take these helpful, you know, features too far and they become frustrating and slightly annoying. 
Um, yeah, it's a solid TV. You know, I don't think it's worth three and a half thousand quid though. And and if you go for the sixty-five inch, that's five grand. I mean, you're talking almost the same price as you're going to be paying hopefully soon for a sixty-five inch four K OLED from LG. So, you know, really. Mm. They won't stay at those prices very long, will they? It's, it's typical Panasonic. They'll bring something yeah, out they'll drop really, like a stone. really highly price it, and then it'll drop like a stone in two, three months. But yeah, in, compared to the claims that were being made for this TV beforehand, it was a bit of a disappointment. I think we all saw that coming, to be honest, didn't we? Well, as soon as you know it's an IPS panel, you just know yeah. it's not going to deliver the black levels you're looking for. I, uh, I, I guess the, what people are, are going to say here, Steve, in Panasonic's defence, is it's, it's the first year that they've gone with full range um, without plasma TV. Um, they, they are trying to push um, LED LCD technology along and, and trying to make some improvements there. I mean, there is the old argument, well, you know, if LCD was so good, why, why is everybody trying to fix the the issues that it has but you know we've got to live with what what technology there is at the minute so in panasonic's defense you have got that side of things where they are genuinely trying to push things along a bit and trying to 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 improve uh, lcd tvs but at the same time when you look at the likes of what you had in for review just last week uh, and which is taking the forums by storm at the minute with two or three threads that are, are, are in the hundreds of comments mm-hmm. long um you gotta wonder what you know what what can Panasonic do other than release an OLED TV? And they're not going to do that because they've already said to us it's too big of a financial payout right at the start. It's too much well, of an investment. They can't, a, LG. they can't afford to to, to do the R and D themselves. They'll have to buy them from LG if they want to do that. I mean, this obviously this panel isn't theirs. They don't make the panel in this television. Um, however, the areas where they do add their own you know value, so processing, the calibration controls, the color accuracy. You know, uh, in terms of CIE tracking chart, it tracks really well. Those elements they've done extremely well. I'm no question about it. The, the processing is superb on this TV. The color accuracy and the calibration controls are absolutely referenced. It's a, it's a lovely looking picture. I, I just find it difficult to justify the price. I mean, I know a lot of the price comes down to the fact it's got a full array backlight because that's going to add cost to it. And certainly from that perspective, you've got a very even backlight, which is really nice to see on an LCD TV. So there's lots of positives here. It's not. I'm not trying to like completely down the TV. I'm just saying that it's very expensive for what you're getting. Uh, and you know, there's other stuff coming. I think there's comparable stuff that's just as good and cheaper. And there's also some really you know, interesting things coming down the line. Hopefully, we'll find out more in in a, in a few weeks' time. In fact, at CES, which Christ, is only like three weeks away now. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll hopefully find out some more then. Um, I, I just think I think sometimes Panasonic have a tendency to release expensive products. I mean, you're right, Mark. I'm sure the price will fall rapidly. So yeah, I mean it's still a recommended, but it's uh, it's not the you know the the plasma killing LCD that they were rather I think rather rashly promising a year ago. Well yeah, <laughs> well, I mean you're you're talking about you know high priced Panasonic stuff. I mean I've just reviewed the uh, BDT seven hundred Blu-ray player. They are top end flagship Blu-ray player. Brilliant build quality, looks gorgeous, works extremely well, does everything it says on the tin, but it's five hundred and fifty quid. If it was 250 quid, I'd have bought it in a heartbeat. 550 quid, doesn't do SACD, doesn't do DVD audio. Whether I'd want that functionality or not is, is you know, that's an, another right. argument for another day. But the fact that I can buy an Oppo and it does all that and it's multi-region if I want to pay for the multi-region, it's just over-expensive for what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's always a difficult thing, isn't it? Because it's, it's nice to have a, a well-made flash-looking Blu-ray player, you know, decent build quality. But at the end of the day, a £500 player, a £100 player, if they're, well, if they're not doing anything they shouldn't be doing, exactly. it's, over it's, HDMI, same, it's the same. Exactly. So so what you are paying for is the build quality. Yeah. Um, in this case, it had analogue audio stages, uh, four DACs, uh, little bits and pieces like a nice remote control, nice finish to the like brushed aluminium and all the rest. So, yeah, it looks really, really nice, but not 550 quid's worth. It just seemed to be really overpriced for what it is. And uh, THX certification? Um, Which, what does that entail? Uh, well, <laughs> what, what, what does that mean nowadays? Because they won't tell us what the tests are. So. Is, there a, is there a THX mode on it? No, but I'm, I'm assuming there that as long as it shows out of the box, it shows what's on the disc and it doesn't add anything, then THX will put their stamp of approval on it. So yeah. you wouldn't have a THX picture mode on a player as long as it's putting out outputting what it should be outputting. Yeah, but they do have picture modes. So you, you thought any excuse to get that splash the branding on it 
You know what yeah, I like. Well, you see, I, I'd be saying, why have you got picture modes? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. They shouldn't have them. But, take you know, take the picture modes out. Uh, yeah, leave some controls in there if um, the display the Blu-ray player is going into hasn't got very good controls or, it, you know, the, it needs a, a way around of using controls, then have that in there. Like some AVRs have picture controls in them. But the whole branding and stuff, I mean, if they're not going to tell you what the tests are that it's passing... Um, what is THX worth anymore? You know, the THX seems to have, I don't know about you, Steve, but lately it just seems to have nosedived in terms of what they're actually trying to achieve. And playing into the hands of those cynical people out there who say, well, you're just paying for a license and, and a badge. And it's playing into yeah, their hands I mean, now. It's This is just my opinion, uh, but um, I think to, be, to a certain extent, THX have lost their way over the last few years. Um, you know, they're no longer part of Lucasfilms. They've lost that kind of the cachet that came with being... George Lucas related, you know, connected, and, and all the things that they were doing with cinema, um, the cinema program back in the late uh, early eighty, early to mid eighties. You know, when we in the early days of AV, um, so in the, in the sort of early nineties, that you know, you, you had the THX certification on receivers, THX um, um, speakers. Uh, you know, there was a THX mode that gave you a kind of took the mono rears and gave you a sort of a sense of, of stereo rears. Um, all that stuff's been superseded now, hasn't it? I mean, basically, you've got things like Dolby True HD and DTS Master Audio. You just don't need any of that kind of stuff anymore. You're getting lossless audio. You're getting you know 7.1 discrete channels. And I think over the over the last few years, you know, you kind of question what exactly THX is for anymore. Um, and, and it seems it seems to me that fewer and fewer manufacturers are now using THX. I mean, there's a THX mode on on the AX902, for example. You've got THX um, Cinema and THX Brightroom and THX 3D, and, and it's THX 4K certified. But that's one of the first TVs I've seen in quite some time now with the THX mode on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got to wonder, really, and I, I understand that they need to make money, therefore they need to sell licenses. So they've been going down the quality chain, if you like, and doing more and more things like, you know, THX certified cars, um, stereos, and THX certified, um, you know, um, laptop speakers or um, speakers for your PC. Which, which, which is all good if they're telling you what the standard is that they're aiming for, you know. Yeah, but they've got if, very if they're secretive, you haven't they? Bare, bare minimums, you know, this is what it should be able to do and it should be performing above this level and blah, blah, blah. So you know that if you're buying a THX certified product, it at least gets to a minimum level of performance, mm. um, which is how they used to sell the certification to people. And, and you knew that if you, you were buying a THX certified product, it hit certain performance criteria. Nowadays, it just... Um, you know, and people like Dolby and DTS, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff now in the sound field. Um, Dolby in particular are, are really muscling in in terms of um, cinemas, not just the audio side, but they do digital cinema packages for digital projectors. They're doing, they're doing, they're branding their own line of cinemas now um, to give a more, you know, premium experience. And all that, all that was the kind of thing that THX was championing 20 years ago. Um, like I say, I think I think they've lost their way a bit, and they've become less and less relevant. Uh, it's a, I think they've lost brand awareness, but I think that's yeah. probably the major thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you used to go to the cinema, and um, if it was a half decent cinema, it had a THX logo at the start of the film. You used to buy DVDs, that, and if they were THX certified, the logos were before the movie started um, on DVDs, and and not so much Blu-rays. And I think the last THX certified Blu-ray I had, the trailer was after the end titles, end credits, at the end of the movie. So if it's hidden away there, then people are not seeing it. You're not seeing the logo on DVDs and stuff now. Uh, you very rarely see it on, on any products as well. So you're right enough, Mark, in terms of brand awareness, um, they've definitely on this side of the pond, they've, they've lost touch. Totally. Yeah, so they're struggling to make themselves relevant, but what have they got, you know? We see Dolby and pushing all this audio technology, not really anything THX to do you know, of yeah. any interest. And it is a shame because they, they were one of the standards bodies which did have a public uh, profile that, that was known by um, certainly some outside the enthusiast circle. Um, they were known when they were part of Lucasfilm and so on. And, and it's sad that that's fallen by the wayside and so on because, um, you know, we all, we're always up for standards um, companies and, and we always want to push the best practice for people so they get the best out of their kit go on ed it always goes back to that simpsons episode where they're in the cinema it does a spoof on the thx trailer where it's like smashing people's teeth and yeah well that is that is that is a thx trailer it it was made by by them and it featured in an episode and they used to feature that before the movies in thx certified cinemas Mm -hmm. and and like like you say simpsons 
<laughs> you can't get any bigger and more popular animated series than that and getting yourself featured on there but just yeah as soon as it as soon as it went into different hands i think it's just lost focus completely anyway let's move on and let's talk about some audio ed um wired or wireless streaming music what's the best way to stream at the minute you've you've looked at most of the services and you've even reviewed a few yeah um well the good news is that you've got lots and lots of options um and often in quite um uh, actual uh, actually products that you don't anticipate are extremely capable upmp streamers if the fancy takes you the um Yamaha 3040 I reviewed has um a really well sorted um upmp section in it I don't know if the same was the case with the 2040 Steve um but there's yeah yeah sorry Ed. yeah any number yes. of um, products where you don't necessarily need to be investing in additional equipment um, to, to, to have access to often very well sorted UPnP streaming. Now, if you'd asked me this question this time last year, I'd have still possibly made an argument for uh, trying to get cabling in situ or at the very least possibly using Ethernet over mains. Uh, I mean, there are pros and cons to that. I am now about a year in to exclusively using wireless um i've got uh, a netgear r9000 um which uh, looks like it's made out of pieces of stealth bomber uh, sort of leftovers which obviously is, is, is a big deal when choosing any of your electrical ancillaries but i have been using that for my home network for about a year now and i can honestly say there is not a single piece of streaming that i have attempted in the last year where it hasn't where i've had any dropouts any messing about any foolishness so provided that you do not expect um the sort of routers given away in um in christmas crackers or you know on a sort of two pound a month broadband deal to 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 sort of stand up to that level of abuse i i'm going to stick my racket here i don't think you need uh to worry about getting dedicated cabling in and then having done that if the actual broadband line going in to uh, the house is up to it, I I don't know. I'm still using Tidal at the moment. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, the journalistic review account has a, a bit of time left to run on it. I'm still umming and ahhing over whether I will actually start spending my own money in lieu of Spotify on it. Um it's pretty damn good, and if you do still buy music, I know that that's like curiously uh, sort of old-fashioned for large portions of our readership. I think it is possibly worth the effort, but um, I, I I'm still buying media, both vinyl and and downloads, because there are certain items which just aren't on Tidal or they are available in higher quality versions. I'm more interested, given actually he suggested it for the um, that for the itinerary. How have you been getting on with it, Steve? I mean, is it? I mean, when I can remember about two years ago when you did the name DAC review, you had essentially we we basically set you up from that point onwards with sort of some some bits and bobs of lossless and high res. I mean, when you're do, are you actually making use of this stuff outside of a review process now? Yeah, basically, I pretty much stream everything now. Uh, I'm always uh, streaming audio. Um, either I mean, I've got an Apple TV in the lounge, so I basically use that to stream uh, stuff from my iTunes account into into the lounge, which is connected to a stereo in the lounge, a hi-fi, um, uh, a hi-fi in the lounge. Um, when I was testing the um, Yamaha and also to the, the Marantz as well, both were extremely easy to set up. Built-in Wi-Fi, you know, built-in aerials, so, uh, very easy to set up. Where was the Yamaha? Was that in the library? Was no, it? that was in the home cinema. All right. In, which one um, was in the library? In the library. Colonel Mustard. Oh, oh, the smoking room? <laughs> no, he, he's in the conservatory. No, the study. The, dagger. Oh, the study. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, it's very convenient, and um, I, I'm streaming Apple Lossless most of the time. Although I do have some um, higher resolution stuff as well. Um, good to see you, Ben. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I was what well, is interesting though. One of the reasons why I think I raised it as a topic for today is because you can alternatively, of course, use use a wire connection. Now, I'm not suggesting necessarily that you want to go put Cat5 around your house because that does require a lot of drilling and banging and making holes. But um, mm. but the uh, simple audio 
streamer that I reviewed uh, just this, in the last couple of days, that uses uh, power lines. In other words, it uses your house, your home's electrical system uh, um, to send you know the, the signal around the house and create a network. And that's a, a very robust and effective way. Assuming your electricity capability, assuming your loop around your house is in good condition and everything, it does actually work very effectively. So um, that is an alternative to, to a wireless or you know Cat five um, wired connection, um, and quite a clever idea that I don't think I've seen anybody else doing recently. Um, so uh, worth considering. I mean, Ethernet over mains. I, I a number of my my colleagues at the uh, shall we put this the extremist two channel end of things have a serious downer on Ethernet over mains and, and power line equipment. Because, lots of, lots of yeah, but they're the same people that colour in their CDs with green felt pens, aren't they? And keep them in the freezer. Look, you've got to keep the if you don't only do half of the process, it's just not going to work. By which I mean you have really cold hands and slightly damp CDs. <laughs> but um, in fairness, uh, whereas uh, there are certain mocking aspects about putting a green pen on a uh, on on a CD, it's funny. Um, I for cough a different publication. I've got a, a valve amplifier here on test at the moment. Now that is currently tucked up behind uh, a main. It's, it's connected directly to a mains conditioner. If you plug it into my household mains uh, on the other side of the conditioner, uh, it, there is. It's not a huge amount, but there is more noise at idle with it. Now you could say, well, that's just substandard and, and shite and so on and so forth. But there are limitations to what you can do to keep valve amp power supplies quiet so if you are using some of the more esoteric bits and bobs available to you in this industry ethernet over mains might be a bit of a nasty it, it can actually introduce a fair amount of noise and i would say that as i say the netgear router that i've got it wasn't massively expensive i think i paid 140 pounds and it's as I say, it's absolutely bombproof. And as well as having benefits for audio, it means that it's you know well and truly able to handle files being shunted around the network at the same time and and things like that. And it it it, it has also you know when compared to a wire a wired solution, meant that I didn't have to exercise any of my non-existent DIY skills. So I would still say that that's that if you're not dealing with something like the simple audio player, which is dedicated to using ethernet remains i'd I'd honestly just upspec your router and you'd be amazed at how good wireless actually can be okay so wired or wireless uh ed which way are you gonna go i'm wireless and steve i'm also wireless okay so nobody's wired well, <laughs> well, it depends on what you're talking about. <laughs> As I say, right. I had to run a. There's a review product coming out. I, I submitted it late, but nonetheless submitted it. <laughs> it's not uh, like I, you. Ha- I, I had to. Um, I had to rig a wired connection up for that because it didn't have wireless on board, and it was it was like going back a couple of years. It Jesus, was what tremendously kind, what frustrating. Kind of, what kind of product comes out nowadays that doesn't have wireless in it? I mean, well, the review's upcoming. Wait and see. I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise. Okay, then. Uh, just to wrap up quickly on hardware, Dan and Marantz um, have released their Aura 3D upgrade, Steve. Yeah, they promised it a couple of months ago, and they are, they've are they come through on that promise and delivered a, a firmware update that's available now for existing owners. Um it's for the Denon uh, X5200 and the X4100 and for the Marantz SR709, which we've already reviewed. Excellent uh, receiver. And their um, AV7702 Preamp Pro. Um, the upgrade will cost you €149. Euros. I should pull that out. Uh, it's not free. It'll cost you €149. Euros, um, and you can pay uh, via PayPal and it'll charge your account in your um, you know, home currency, in our case, sterling. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. This is the, they're the first, obviously, the first sort of mainstream mass market manufacturer to introduce um, Auro 3D onto their receivers. Uh, up to now, it's all been high end stuff like um, like DataSat, um, and uh, certainly on the on the five, uh, the X5200 and the SR709, it's a full 10.1 Auro setup. So the uh, height speakers and then the voice of God uh, uh, with the 4100. X4100, it is uh, just a 9.1 setup. So just the height speakers, no voice of God. But uh, yeah, I, mean, that's, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, at least that means now that if you're interested, you can um, you can have a crack at both Atmos and Aura if you want. Obviously, that's dependent on there being any content for either of those formats. Um, there's not yeah, much well, for I Atmos. Just, and... I was just going to say, does this Aura upgrade, does that include the upmixer? Yes, it does. It does. It does. So actually, I think that'd be quite interesting. So it does get around the 
slightly significant otherwise point that there's not a busting lot to listen to after no but yeah it, it will um, introduce the yeah. oralizer feature that that phil and i had demoed to us when we were at their um studios uh back in that's the March. thing that did the amazing mono oh yeah yeah. yeah 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 so in fact that bit would be very interesting to test right uh, okay that's that's more interesting because i was mono to surround or mono stereo and and, and so. i've got to say in the battles of the demo discs uh, so Atmos versus Aura 3D demo discs. Aura 3D demo disc wins hands down in terms of content. Because it's film clips Because it's it. actually some film clips. <laughs> in fact, it's got quite yeah. a few film clips. So you, yeah, you, you're yeah. thinking, well, what happened to Dolby's demo disc here? Did, were they you know, pushing it through quickly and just didn't have well, time? Well, no, it's, it's bizarre because Dolby had a demo disc that they were using at Cedia in September, which included clips of things like Oblivion and various other um, Atmos films. Uh, Star Trek, I think, was on there and sort of stuff. But when the disc came out for sort of general use um, by reviewers and that sort of stuff, and and for um, release with uh, you know distributors and and dealers and that kind of thing, gone. Just um, all Dolby stuff, basically. Um, I'm assuming it was a rights issue of some kind. But you'd think, you know, if you're trying to push a format, get some clips on there and things. But anyway. Yeah. You still Did you get? Have you got your disc, by the way? You are all right, then. Yeah. Well, yes, that's that's why I, that's why I raised it. Yeah. And you got yours, Ed? Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Just need good. some kit to play on it now and some extra speakers, <laughs> and we'll be away. Right. Yeah, I think, load of speakers. <laughs> I think that wraps it up for hardware this week. So we're going to go quickly to an ident. We're back in a sec with some games news. So, going on to uh, games news and something interesting happened over the weekend in Vegas. Mark. Yes, yep. Yeah. Well, you had the Video Game Awards and then straight afterwards you had the PlayStation Experience event, which was um, to kind of celebrate 20 years of the PlayStation brand uh, consoles. And, yeah, it, it was kind of a, a little bit of an avalanche of teaser trailers and announcements and the like. Um, there was some kind of... Some big news, unfortunately, like with most things, it got leaked ahead of time. Um, the I think the big one that Sony were obviously hoping to keep up their sleeves was Street Fighter V will be exclusive to PlayStation 4 and PC, so a console exclusive for them. Um, lots of trailers, lots of uh, gameplay shown for Uncharted 4, um, The Order 1886. Um, Final Fantasy VII, um, everyone assumed it might be a, a remake um, of the, the classic... Square Enix roleplay game. Unfortunately, it looks like it's a PC port. Um, beyond that, uh, New God of War, hope we know, is in the in the works, but obviously that was always assumed. Uh, big news for me, though, was uh, Yakuza 5 will be getting a Western release, so keeping the PlayStation 3 alive for a little bit longer, so I can't trade that in just yet. Um, but I, I think out of everything, there were some, some there were some really interesting kind of teaser trailers, things like Adrift, uh, the Games Awards, um, which looks a bit like gravity, first person perspective, zero G floating amongst the wreck- wreckage of a ship and the like. That'll be on PS4, Xbox One as well. Um, but I, I can't really kind of look at anything else without seeing Legend of Zelda on the Wii U. Um, it it what. It looks like a, a huge world. We finally got to see some gameplay of it, um, a setting sun, a scaling a giant mountain. It really does look like kind of this expansive game that people have been wanting. Um, you know, people always kind of trot out the rather kind of glib line, which is what if something like Zelda was crossed with, you know, the likes of Skyrim or something. But, you know, it, it just kind of speaks of how much people just want that that Zelda world, but more of it. Um, it showed... Uh, using the the kind of motion sensor in the gamepad to look around and you could set beacons on this massive map um, and using the sailcloth to to jump down from a giant mountain and and kind of shoot arrows from horseback and just generally it it looked fantastic and also they announced that it will be out next year and and Star Fox will arrive before it so it looks like finally uh, the Wii U is is really starting to to pick up some steam. Yay. And how long have you owned <laughs> one prior to it actually doing this? I, I've I've owned one since launch, and I, I'll be honest. If if I work out how many games I've had for it, I, I think I've had my value in it. I really do. Kind of first party titles for Nintendo consoles. If you're buying a, a Nintendo console and you're buying it for anything other than first party, then you know you're always going to be in for a disappointment. But there again, at the at the Game Awards, best racer. What was that? Best sports and racer game? Um, you know, if it was FIFA. Mario Kart, I'd be it, most... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, not it a was. racing game. It's an it exercise is. in 
bloody controller dismemberment. It's a hateful, hateful, hateful <laughs> game. It has been from the very first iteration. It's a racing game for people that don't like racing. So loser. Yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> and on that note, that's games news. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting the hang of this now. Okay, so uh, moving on to movie news and what's at the cinema, Mark. Yeah, I'm normally asleep by now. I don't know. Uh, this is a strange, strange role for me to be doing. But yes, we went. The family and I went to uh, our local cinema. And carrying on from our uh, theme of the other week, it was fourteen pounds for the four of us, and there was no adverts. I think that was just because trying to uh, squeeze as many showings into a day to cash in on the popularity. And it was rammed in there, so it was, must have been three hundred and fifty people, and they were doing three showings. So it's obviously going down a storm in Macclesfield. Um, it's a movie based uh, kind of loosely on the Michael. Bond uh, books of the 1950s, which were, uh, I think, a, a slight commentary on uh, on immigration uh, at the time and how we should, um, how, how the British should be tolerant and, and acceptant, uh, accepting of uh, immigrants. But it doesn't. The movie doesn't really touch on any of that. It's, it's far more light-hearted. Um, it's if you don't know the story, uh, I can't believe many people wouldn't. But it's. Um, it centres around little Paddington, who's an orphan bear, uh, who has to who's sent to England uh, when his great Aunt Lucy, or his Aunt Lucy rather, can no longer look after him because he's poorly. She's poorly. The, the London connection comes from uh, an explorer who visited there. Um, I, I'm not sure what what time frame, but um, he visited there and found these rare Peruvian bears who could learn to talk and were very civilised and and nice and all the rest of it. Um, so he turns at a Paddington station. Um, he, he hitches a ride on a boat over there uh, and he gets found by the Brown family um, who are, well the, the, the mother of who and the son who were very accepting of him um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a tale that sort of it, it, the story arc of, of um, the villain in it, who's Nicole Kidman, it's very much like 101 Dalmatians or Madagascar 3, and she's trying to catch Paddington and get him stuffed for the Natural History Museum. Um, that's There's nothing really particularly new in that. I think Nicole Kidman's slightly disappointing. Um, but the, the movie's fun. It's, it's loads of good oh, laughs. Yeah. Does that mean the Natural History Museum is essentially the villain of the piece? Yes, it does, because she works for it. She was the granddaughter <laughs> of, the, of the explorer. So, yeah, the, the, but she's working unbeknownst. She's, this is like secret stuff. You, you, uh, you know, for a kids' film, you're making this sound really, 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 really complicated. It wasn't complicated. <laughs> it's not at all. It's, it's, it's loads of visual humour, loads of good slapstick, some funny, some witty laughs, some good performances, good support acts, great fun. Um, take the family if you have to. Eight out. Of 10. Has he? Does he still wear? His duffel coat and wellies, though. Yes, he gets. Yeah, you see, you see how he uh, he gets those. That that hat is the explorer's hat, and the duffel coat is it was the Browns family's dad, his coat when he was a kid. Almost it sounds like almost an origin story. This <laughs> it's, it's kind of an origin. I'm sorry, if, if I'm making it sound serious, I, I apologise. It's fun. It's fun <laughs> and, and and a great, a really good watch. And the CGI is not really complex. I was just thinking of the story. I probably should, shouldn't have gone into great, such great depth. Information of the bear work, though. You really know, good. Yeah, been... really good. The CGI was, was really good. He, he's, he, it makes him look really, really cute without being look over-processed. Some problems when it, when bit of, you know when he's running and, and the movement looks a little bit unnatural, but that's always the case with CGI. But most of the time, it doesn't look like CGI. It looks like it's ben, just ben, a furry thing. Voice? Mark, Mark, he's a talking bear for us. Can I just ask, if he's a talking bear, yeah. why does he accept the name given to him? Because his his name is something like <laughs> yes, the bear noise, which humans find difficult to do. Although the daughter picks it up eventually. Botwright can do it after a couple of cans of K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I won't tell you out of which orifice. <laughs> Mark is Mr. Curry in it because he was in all the books. He's the sort. He was the sort of foil. Yeah, against... that's right. Yes, it's um, Peter Capaldi. Oh right. <laughs> is there much swearing at Paddy? <laughs> no, he was like Peter Capaldi, and he's got some sort of southern accent, and and he's not. He's he's not. He's a bit creepy, but he's not particularly. You know, they didn't really play on Capaldi enough. I don't think. I mean, he probably had to phone it in between, yeah, between hooing. Yeah, he, he wasn't in it a great deal. And there's uh, Matt Lucas plays a, t- a kind of amusing cockney. The only guy. gay in the village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 
know, it would have been good, though. The only bear in this village. <laughs> and Julie Walters is a lit, of course. And she's, she's... I, I believe she's contracted oh. to appear in every humorous, light-hearted <laughs> British film from now until such time as she dies. I think that exactly. And after the uh, furore, or relative furore, of um, Colin Firth pulling out and Hugh Bonneville stepping into his shoes, that didn't really make any difference. Hugh Bonneville no, was Colin Firth good. was going to do the voice of Paddington. Oh, was he? Oh, there you go. Yeah, Ben Whishaw replaced him. What about the uh, rating? Because they got a PG rating, didn't they? Because it was some scary stuff. Were your kids scared at all? Yeah, it's scary. Not really, no. It's, <laughs> it's small amount of dark content, but nothing they won't have seen before. Marmalade sandwiches, though? Lots. By, by the dozen. Major theme. They can make marmalade bears. Can they? <laughs> These uh, how? Don't, they, don't they eat honey? Oranges. <laughs> oh, I thought it was some kind of excretion or no, something. They can use, they're very, they're, these bears, they're very, they're very advanced. They're very, they, they can use technology. They can build stuff. Flying cars, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Rise of the planet of the bears. What got me, though, was when Paddy was on, on the station and he, he was there. It was this three foot six bear who can talk and was trying to. Uh, ever, no one paid him any notice and he was he must have been there for about 12 hours before anyone spoke to him i know london, london. <laughs> yeah but come on even and, and and presumably as before even though he's from peru he doesn't have a strong south american southern spanish accent no, because they learned english off the english explorer so oh right of course how foolish of me silly boy they've thought of everything haven't they see this is more <laughs> thought out than terminator i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely by the way the terminator plot based upon that trailer I get the impression that what's happened is they send Carl Reese back in time, as in the first film. Yeah, but... but and when he gets already, to the first film... They've already uh, sent the Terminator out, back. Yeah, to when she was a kid, yeah. and that Terminator, for some reason, is ageing, even yeah. though it's a cyborg. Yeah, but, um, it, yeah, so, but it's, it's uh, it, it living on the outside, though, isn't it? That was explained yeah, in the true, first yeah, one, so, so, that, age, so it will age. So. No more well, this is what they got that explained bit right. Why he just go mouldy. It's rot. <laughs> Unless you keep him in the fridge. <laughs> I will say one thing though. I mean, look, I saw some there were some posters, um, sort of you know, photographs of them in poses uh, done for promotional purposes for Terminator Genesis or whatever it's called, and they looked absolutely appalling. Um, there was even one with Matt Smith in it, you know, the previous Doctor Who, and it just looked crap. Um, and I remember looking at the pictures of Amelia. Is it Amelia Clark? Um, yeah. yeah, who's obviously Daenerys in um, in Game of Thrones. And she just looked weird, not without white hair, basically. But I've got to say, in the trailer, she did actually look quite a bit like a young um, Linda Hamilton. So I guess that bit works. But, she, um, she, she looked too young, though, I thought. Anyway. Yeah, she'd look a bit too young, didn't she? Uh, I showed uh, Laura the trailer. And you know when the bit when they go, we're going to end the few, end this war tonight? And she went, I bet they don't. And, and then he said, this time it's all different. And it looks pretty similar so far. <laughs> so I think she had a point there. <laughs> Are you just trying to angle for her to take over your role in the What's at the Cinema thing at the podcast? <laughs> I think she'd be significantly funnier. Well, he, man- he managed to rope in Mark this week, didn't he? So. Yeah. You should have kept your mouth shut, Mark. So, hang on, but what's important, You liked it. What do the kids think of it? Uh, one loved it. One one's just can't sit still. <laughs> She'll like it at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, was t- I told her I had to concentrate on it because I was doing it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't care. Yeah, dad, Daddy's got some homework. I gave her a load of sweets. That was the problem. Yeah, well, sugar rush. Yeah. It kept her quiet, though. At least I could concentrate. Okay, let's move on. Blu-rays released next week, Steve. Yeah, we've got Sin City 2, uh, A Dane to Kill For. Uh, which I have not seen yet, though I do have it on disc, but I haven't got around to watching it yet. Obviously, Secret of Sin City, which uh, I think was nine years ago now, so time really does fly. But uh, uh, that was a big, uh, quite a, a minor hit and a very well received. You know, if anyone's seen Sin City, you know what it is. Basically, it's based upon the comics, uh, the graphic novel by um, by Frank Miller. Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez directed it together, and it, it combines a, a very stylized comic book style, you know, black and white graphics, splashes of colour. With um, with a, quite an interesting cast, and I think nine years is far too long between the two films. Uh, I know from reading other people's reviews and comments from friends that have seen it, you know, basically saying you know, it feels like even though it is made by Miller and Rodriguez, you feel like it's sort of been made by a bunch of people who had nothing to do with the original film. It just feels lazy and boring, and and I think it's moments passed, and people just it didn't do very well at the box office. It was very badly received, and it just even though it's got an interesting cast. Although having said that. If you are thinking of buying it, this might tip at the balance for you. Eva Green's naked for most of the film. All so right. that that's, alone. That's a purchase. 
left alone, I think there's good reason to buy it. Yeah, but <laughs> hang on a second. This is fairly old news, isn't it? I mean, what was that French student thing? The Dreamers? Oh, yeah, no, the Dreamers. Yeah. She no, spent the entire them. film with her clopper hanging out. What's this? So, Which film is this? The Dreamers. That's another one. Amazon.com. That's actually a good movie, but yeah, she's got a kid off making that film too. Um, I, I think the thing with Sin, with Sin City 2, uh, and it, it was the same with 300 as well, you know, for the time when they both of those came out, they had a certain look which nobody had done before, nobody would seen it before. Um, that added to the appeal to go and see these movies. It added to the... But then the sequels, and the same was with 300, and it sounds... Like it's the same with this Sin City too. Is that um, they didn't move on anything and any, yeah, any further from where it was? It was just more of the same. Also, it's in three D, and and of course, given it's got this stylized black and white look to it, very comic book look, and it makes it basically look like it's um, you know cardboard cutouts a lot of the time. So I'm not sure that it really lent itself to three D as a format. But um, I know Robert Rodriguez is really into three D. But yeah, it hasn't done very well box office. It isn't very well received. Um, I have got it. I haven't got around to watching it yet, but now I remember the fact that Eva Green's naked and I might watch it tonight. Um, the other film coming out next week is Into the Storm, which I did see at the cinema um, with my parents, actually. And I have to say, quite enjoyed. You know, it's kind of, it's basically, it's Twister, you know, for the modern age. Lots of tornadoes, lots of action, lots of things being thrown around in the sky. You know, one bit where a gigantic F5 tornado lifts up 747s, which I'm pretty sure would be impossible, but there you go. No, actually, uh, actually, oh, yeah. it, it reckon does... You can do it. Oh, it does. I've seen video footage uh, that scrapyard, the plane scrapyard. They've got to tie them down because as soon as they take the engines off, if they get a certain wind, oh, obviously right. a plane is designed to fly, so it wants to take off. So when the weight of the engines aren't on there and there's a certain wind, they will take off. So they've got to tie them down. So there you go. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think it'd be a good disc to buy because it'll look and sound amazing. The sound design, certainly in in the cinema I saw it in, was was really immersive and all around, and loads of bass, and it sounded great. So if if you're into a good AV disc to buy, I think Into the Storm was going to be one of them. I know Kaz is in the middle of reviewing it right now, so that review will be up soon, hopefully. Um, I think he's doing Sin City Two as well, so there should be two reviews coming. Those two reviews should be coming quite soon. But uh, of those two, I'd suggest you know, I have, okay, I haven't seen Sin City Two yet, so this is based upon other people's comments but um I, i'd probably go for into the storm uh, which I, I enjoyed found, found my parents enjoyed it too thought it was a good laugh uh, and i'm sure it'll look and sound great on your system before we go latest competitions universal monsters box set it's still running it runs out on the 15th of december uh, get yourself in for that we've also got eat sleep live av stand it runs out on the 5th of january uh, go and check out that competition as well as exier spacers uh, what is the exier spacers i didn't actually look they're for space they're for spacing between your equipment to let air flow around them so they don't get hot yeah. All right, if you so aren't mad enough to buy a 1500 pound rack to keep absolutely everything in it allows you to put a bit of clear air between things will significantly improve the longevity and reliability of any amplifier or things like that it's well worth doing okay four pound fifty a pack as well can't argue with that. You convinced me, Ed. That's a great idea. <laughs> uh, so that runs out 20th of December. And, of course, the big one, the huge <laughs> competition where, um, actually, you know, I can look at these competitions and I can see um, how many people have answered it correctly. It doesn't tell me who's answered it. It just gives you a percentage of correct answers. And <laughs> this competition has the biggest um, percentage of wrong answers <laughs> See, of, people of, are deliberately getting it wrong. Of, yeah, they're happen. deliberately getting it wrong. It has to be because <laughs> everything this else runs. Tough question. Everything else runs at about eighty-seven to one hundred percent. You know, and this one is it's a bit sixty odd to sixty percent. It came across as a bit of a potential trick question, though. You had to Google it if you'd not watched it, to be fair. Yeah. No, you just have to read Steve's review. The review. And the podcast. And you have to read the review. Oh, yeah, I would have to read the review, though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's true. And then you'd have to listen to what Steve was saying on the podcast as well. Yeah, which... There's only so much in one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just so... getting between us and the Rex. <laughs> So, yes, um, actually, uh, it's gone up, so some people have been answering it correctly. It's back up to 88%. How many people have actually entered the competition? Mm, 61. So, 61? <laughs> 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 Mark reckoned there would be 44, didn't you? I thought it was going to be Bob on 44. Yeah, most of those are, are like <laughs> accounts for Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to destroy all trace of it. <laughs> 
to keep up the uh, as we go into the new year, um, twenty fifteen, it is we're obviously going to have a new feature on the podcast, which is the worst movie of of the month uh, that we we're going to get people to seek out and go and watch. And I did give Steve a heads up on the next one. It does feature a T Rex. It features uh, Denise Richards and Denise Richards, fair enough. Paul Walker, <laughs> not one of his finest hours. Um, more than that, in the new year. And, is it uh, timeline? No. No. no, it features a T Rex. It's got T Rex. Well, I, I don't know how badly they messed about with the book. It's got a T Rex. <laughs> anyway, um, Theodore Rex DVD competition closes the 15th of December. If you want it, uh, then. Come and get it. Get, yeah, get yourself entered. <laughs> Into that and, and we'll presumably announce the winner on the Christmas special. We, we will, we will announce the the victim on uh, the nineteenth. <laughs> Is there not winner. a box that you can tick for anonymity or something? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping we can announce the victim on the nineteenth. Uh, we'll we'll give it a go. But anyway, that's the competitions uh, that are running. And like I say, we've got another absolute clack clack clack. <laughs> We've got another absolute cracker for you in the new year, and it features a T-Rex, like I say. Um, so go and do your homework, find out which one it is. And to finish off my thanks, go to Steve Withers. What did you expect? An exploding pen? Mark Hodgkinson. Good luck out there in the field, and please return the equipment in one piece. Mark Botwright. The latest thing from my local toy store. It's called Radio. And Ed Selly. Well... You're bloody well not sleeping here. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. And don't forget, next week, uh, the 19th of December, is our Christmas works due and you're all invited. So we'll see you then. (laughs) 